When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And now, for something completely similar. Podcast time. Yeah. It's time for us to podcast. It is time for the potting of the cast. The, and not that's not me saying parting of the cast with an accent. I'm saying the potting of the cast. To pod, we pod, you that's pod, the sequel to pod, she pods. The, the passion of the Christ, the podden of the cast. Hmm. Which would be, what if Jesus came back and started a podcast? Would anybody listen? Dude, it would happen, number one, because everyone has a fucking podcast. And of course, people would listen. Mm. It'd be on Earwolf. It'd be uh, a big hit. I don't think Jesus would go on. How did this get made to promote it? I don't think if Jesus had a podcast, he'd be saying things that mainstream Christianity wanted to hear. Uh, well, I mean, I think we all know the best represent- re- best representation of Jesus on Earth is Sean Hannity. So if you want to know everything that Jesus is thinking, Fox News, Hannity and Combs, R.I.P. Combs. That would be a funny Jesus to have in like a movie, like a Jesus that's built like a football player and always wears a suit and has a short haircut. <laughs> Clean shaven. <laughs> true capitalist Jesus. But Jason, this isn't about Jesus and this isn't about capitalism. Not directly anyway. We have talked about both things though. This and, is and we certainly we we like making money. Let's not you know, I'm I'm a socialist, but I do like making money. There you go. Don't say you're a socialist out loud. I, I've got I've got <laughs> I've got a lot of weird listeners. Go ahead, punks, make my day. <laughs> um no, this is a podcast. This is podcast is called For Screen And Country. And I am Brendan. And I am Jason. And Jason, we don't normally talk about these uh well we I mean, let's be honest, we do veer off into the weird tangents. Always. But but what do we normally talk about? Well, normally we would be going through the British Film Institute's top 100 list, but as we like to do, we're taking a little side step, a little side gig, a little side hustle, where we watch uh, remakes, sequels, and prequels, and we like to call that, and now for something completely similar. similar. That's right. And that is what we are doing. We are almost at the end of the road of this little mini series. We got one more next week, but this week, Jason, we are talking about a, I, you know, I said remake in my head, but mm. it, it's honestly, I mean, yes, but it's also just like another adaptation of the source material. Yeah, to some extent, true. This is the two thousand remake, readaptation, whatever you want to call it, of the nineteen seventy one Michael Caine film Get Carter. This uh, version, of course, uh, Michael Caine uh, stand in. Uh, Michael Caine's American stand-in, of course, Sylvester Stallone. Obviously, they're inseparable. When I think of those two actors, I think of, yeah, they could easily play each other's roles. Yeah. I mean, I would love to see Michael Caine and Rocky. Rambo. That's what I want. (laughs) Oh, shit. Michael Caine and Kurt Russell in Tango and Cash. Oh, man. 
Can, <laughs> can, can you imagine Sylvester Stallone in the Ipcrest file? <laughs> but but my favorite thing, and this is weird, this is a direct Tango and Cash reference. So mm. if you've never seen Tango and Cash, you're going to be like, yeah? I haven't. Okay, perfect. But there's a scene in Tango and Cash where Stallone, like, uh, he, he blows something up and he actually has a line where he's like, Rambo was a pussy. So I would love to see if Michael Caine had been in that movie. And I don't know, he like fucked some girl really quick and he was like, Alfie was a pussy. <laughs> Jack Carter was a frump. <laughs> Harry Palmer was a fuckhead. Harry Palmer, he was a masturbator. <laughs> oh no, the worst offense. That's right. But yes, they should have traded careers. Agreed. Michael Caine in Death Race 2000. Oh mm. shit, Sylvester Stallone in Educating Rita. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I buy it with that role. <laughs> oh, Sylvester Stallone and Zulu. <laughs> this, is, this goes on. Zulu But he's got to play a posh British guy. <laughs> Look, uh, you got to understand something about the aristocracy. Is uh, we're better than everybody else, you know? Because we're worth all the money. So you got to do what I say, Stanley. It's not Stanley Baker. You're good people. You're good people. Uh, that, that's not my character name, sir. You're good, hey, <laughs> well, hey, what's lunch? <laughs> you guys talking about me? But this is a this is a middle-aged Stallone. Middle-aged Stallone. Yeah, I mean, he's in his early he's 50s. He's in his 70s now, I'd say. I thought you say then. I was like, yeah. Jesus Christ, how old is he? <laughs> yeah, no, he's in his early 50s at the time. But yeah, Get Carter, starring Sylvester Stallone. But Jason, that's not all. No. This is a packed cast. This, this is, is a, a stacked cast. This is a pretty stacked cast in retrospect. Maybe maybe at the time, these people were unknowns, but like... Well, I just want to say that that night I watched this movie, I looked out into the sky, and there were no stars above, my friend, because they are all in this film. That's right. Here we go. So, what do we got? Besides Sylvester Stallone, we also have someone returning to the podcast we've talked about in a movie called The Crying Game. Uh, we have Miranda Richardson. Ooh. She plays the uh, the IRA the, the female IRA terrorist yes. in uh, in in the crying. Oh, game. the one that wears the wig at the end. Yes, yes, she's great, and she's in this as Gloria Carter, uh, Rachel Lee Cook, aka the one who gets the uh, ugly duckling makeover, and she's all that. She's in this. She plays the daughter. She plays Doreen. Uh, we also have Alan Cumming. Yes, coming all over uh, his famous fragrance. You know, I thought to myself, how long is it going to take before one of us makes that joke? And the answer, no, that's, I guess, but that's was a real thing. I just always like talking about it. Four seconds. Absolutely. Well, it's the best name for a perfume I've ever heard. And I've heard a lot of perfume names, my friend, like Eau de Toilette, um, Coco Chanel, Toilet O. Toilet O. That, yeah, that's a big one. But, and Jason, we're not even close to being done here. We've also got Mickey Rourke mm. as Cyrus Pace. What if it was Mickey Rooney? <laughs> he could have done it. He was only a little crazy by 2000. We're going to the internet. That's where all the titties are now. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, Sylvester Stallone, I was the biggest star in the world. Hey, hey, as he's doing the same thing I do, where he's talking about the actor's name, not the character. Luxlaw, you want some advice? I'll tell you this. Never work with a horse. I was on the Black Stallion for a hundred years, and I hated that horse. Hello, Mr. Falk. I'm Mrs. Shit. <laughs> Yeah, so Mickey Rourke. Not Mickey Rourke, Rooney. sorry, yes. Yeah, and he's not playing a Japanese person either. No. Uh, John C. McGinley. Yeah. Is in this movie. He plays Khan. And he's great. Uh, Michael Caine. Michael Caine. Michael Caine. This was a real, this was a real Jaws 4 paycheck situation, I think. The, he, he did in this movie what he probably should have done in Italian Job, where he was in some role in some form that wasn't the main role, mm. but was there. Mm. 
Mm. Although, and and I guess if he'd have played the Donald Sutherland role, he'd have been as pivotal in that movie as he ultimately is in this one. I would say he's not pivotal. Almost. Well, I guess I guess you're right. Yeah, but. Um, I was going to say maybe this movie, how it turned out, made him not want to do the other movie, maybe, the other remake. Maybe, yeah. Um, we also have Rona Mitra as Geraldine. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Mark Boone Jr. showing up. Uh, he's the guy that gets interrogated at the beginning. He's been in a bunch of stuff. Is he on Sons of Anarchy? That's what I want to know. Probably. I, 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 give me a sec. I can look him up. It is. It is. He was on Sons of Anarchy. I knew he'd look like that guy. He's also in, uh, I believe he's also in Batman Begins. Okay. A uh, bunch of stuff. And then we have two uncredited actors. Gretchen Moll mm-hmm. is Audrey. Okay. She's the um, she's the mob boss's uh, wife who st- yes. who Get Carter is having an affair with. Yes. Which was, they was that Britt Eklund in the original? Yes. Yeah. And they and they keep that storyline inexplicably in this yeah. movie, um, even though she's uh, 27 years old at the time, which is really gross. <laughs> um, not that she's not that 27 is a gross age. I, well, uh, look, a 50 year old guy having sex with a lady in her 20s is like standard Hollywood shit. Yeah, but it's still gross. Oh yeah. Um, and then and then an uncredited vocal appearance, Jason. Finally, he shows up on this. Kevin movie, Pollack. On this, no, he finally he shows up on this podcast of a British film. That's the the master thespian himself, Tom Sizemore. Oh, that's who does the voice of the yeah. boss, the, whose face we don't see for some reason. Right. I don't know why. I, yeah, I wouldn't, yeah, I never got that because we, we there's nobody like that in the original movie. Nope. And the director is Stephen K. Um, and the only other thing I know that I can tell you that he made is that horrible Boogeyman movie mm. in 2005. He also directed I, a bunch of TV. That I saw in the theater. Oh. Was that when you worked there? Yes. Okay, so you didn't pay for it. No, okay, but good. still rough. I remember Damn. even back then. That was my first experience, I think, with a PG-13 horror movie. Was in that? A, in a horror movie that, like, by all accounts, should have gone for it because that would have been the only redeeming part. Now, please tell me that was a Ruthless Aggression-era WWE film starring the Boogeyman and the wrestler. Uh, it would have been better. God damn it. These missed opportunities. So, Jason, get Carter, 2000. You had seen this movie before. I had, yes. I had rented this on DVD many, many, many years ago uh, because I had read a uh, Digital Bits or DVD talk review that said, well, the movie sucks, but it's real pretty. It's a really good DVD, so. And you were like, sold. And I remembered nothing about it. And then watching the Get Carter remake, I still remember, or sorry, not the Get Carter remake, watching the Get Carter pre-make. So the original, the original, the pre-make. <laughs> that's what we call it, the pre-make. That's what we yeah. call it in the business. They should call that. They should call everything a pre-make everything now because pre-make. everything gets remade. That's right. Uh, the pre-make of that movie, yeah. Watching that and it still didn't jog anything. Literally, the only thing I really remembered from that movie sticking in my head was at the beginning when they're in the, the cemetery. That for some reason that stood out to me, but I, right, yeah, I didn't remember anything else about it, and so I watched it again. So having so as you're watching this, what I want to know is: is anything coming back? From the original Get Carter? No, 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 no. Watching oh, this no, remake, no, 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 anything no. coming back? No, 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 no. Nothing made an impression on me from okay. that original watch. Okay. Nothing whatsoever. There was not one moment where I was like, oh, yeah, no, I do remember. No, I don't. I don't. Because, and it's funny, we're going back and forth, back and forth with these, you know, these remakes and stuff because we started out, let's just let's just recap sure. for a second. Let's we, go back through this. We started out with Billion Dollar Brain. That's not a remake. That's not a remake, but it was an, uh, 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 a sequel that I liked more than you did. Yes. It, it was, I was fine. It was fine. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't dislike it. Yeah. I, I dislike whiskey gore more. Sure. Um, then we did uh, whiskey gore. Yeah. Uh, did we? I <laughs> feel like there was another one in there somewhere. No. Then we did Italian Job. Right. And that was as, as loose a remake as you can yeah. get. Barely a remake. Uh, doing its own thing and taking elements from the original. You wonder why they bothered. 
Right. Yeah. Whiskey Galore, too much of a remake. Oh yeah, just too much. It's like it's like yeah, it's the other way. Why? Why go to the trouble of just pretty much straight remaking a movie and only making the tiniest of changes to it? And this is closer to Whiskey Galore, I would say, in terms yeah. of how close it is. But it's not fully there. No, it's... it's... But it also... There is a pivotal thing in this movie, Jason, that mm. they, they do only half of. And because they don't do the other half, it totally takes away the impact of the movie. Uh, you mean the scene in the original where Michael Caine is uh, 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 getting the landlady all hot and bothered while he's like having phone sex with his girlfriend? I mean, I'm not going to lie. I, I was, was like, disappointed that that was I, not in there. I was like, are we going to see Sylvester <laughs> yeah. Stallone have phone sex? I was ready. But no, I'm talking about, so, I mean, this the plot of this movie, guys, is the same plot as Get Carter. It's very similar. There, there, I mean, it's it's not like, I wouldn't, it, it's not like Whiskey Galore where it's like a shot for shot, almost remake. It's not, it, it's doing its own thing, but it, it is the same structural bones as the original to some extent. Yeah. Jack Carter's a mobster, mob enforcer, whatever. Yeah. His brother dies. He hears about it. He goes back home to find out who did it. Kills many people. Interesting fact, though, in the original, do you remember what uh, uh, Jack's brother's name was? No was frank ah. so in this one they changed it i suppose just because you know as we know sly's actual yes. brother is frank so that frank. he's called richie now i th i went up looking at michael kane thinking oh god is michael kane's brother named richie no michael kane's brother is named stanley also frank stallone does have a, a uh, cameo in this movie oh does he i missed he, us he, missed him I, I totally missed him but apparently <laughs> he's in he's in the bar in one scene oh, okay but what i was gonna say so yeah yeah he you know many people are killed tries to find out who killed his brother the one thing I want to say that they completely ruined. So at the beginning of this, at uh, the beginning of the original movie, do you yeah. remember how they're looking at photos, like or they're looking at footage, like stag video footage? Yeah. Uh, like you know these these with the porn, porn, the whole porn, pornographic porn thing. Yeah. Like probably rape. Yeah. And it's just kind of playing in the background, and there's not much attention is paid to it, but they establish it yeah, as a thing, which was apparently a thing that used to happen in the old days. You would go to like men's clubs and people right. would be smoking cigars or drinking. Well, this is just, just in, having porn on in the background. This is just in their house, though. This is just in like the headquarters. Only, don't like, you do that? Don't you just have porn playing on the wall at all times, twenty four seven? Thank you. But what I was trying, to, <laughs> what I'm trying to say is, they have that to establish what happens later in that really impactful scene. When Carter, like Michael Caine, realizes that Doreen, yes. his niece, has been uh, raped by these. That's men. when he like he like wanders into the place and like watches the film. Yeah, he, yeah. They, she's been raped by these guys and and put into this horrific video, which of course later is the reason why uh, Jack Carter's brother gets killed because he takes the the disc and he's like, I'm going to show this to the police, and yeah. they had him killed. But in this one, hmm. they do have the thing where he's watching that he finds the disc because yeah. they're always talking about a disc, and I was shocked it wasn't a mini disc uh, because this is two thousand. Yeah. But he's watching the disc and he sees the video, and there's the reveal, and you know he sees that Doreen has been assaulted and yeah. raped. But there was nothing to set that up. Like there was nothing. They're not even that open. Like that opening shot in the yeah, original the, where the, the the videos are playing. So it just happens, and it yeah. feels like like. Uh, sorry to use this word, Jason. Yeah. It feels random. It does feel random. Um, like, yeah, because the only setup that is done is that when we meet Mickey Rourke's character, Cyrus, we find out that he runs a strip club, but he is, you know, he's living on the edge. He's in the future, man. He's running his own porn uh, uh, web ring or something. <laughs> so, gotta love, yeah. gotta love the movies that, yeah. from like 2000. Oh, I love it. The Early internet. web 1.0 shit. Yeah. yeah, I love it. Uh, but yeah, so he's running a porn ring on. That's the only indication. And, and, of course, us having seen the previous movie, it probably entered into our heads, but it wouldn't necessarily occur to the viewers that this was going to happen to this daughter character. Yeah, there's no no real setup to it. There's no real implication. It's also a very different thing, too, because in, in the old, like, just 
the difference between internet and how you would get porn in the old days. It was a much more skeezy business in the old days because you know it was person to person. You had to go to a, a, a you know a, a little CD store. You had to know somebody. But uh, e- even in Web 1.0 days, my friend, you could jerk off in the comfort of your own home, un- uh, unobserved uh, by Babe. the man. Babe, babe. He uh, he worked with Dad. He was always really nice. I thought I, um, I, I thought I, I mean, I thought it was going to be cool, fun, you know? We, uh, had some... Get some champagne, and uh, he asked if I wanted to go to this party. Should have seen my friend's faces. I don't even remember what happened. I just remember not being able to move much. I remember um, wanting to leave, wanting to stop, wanting to go home. None of this is your fault. But yeah, so so other yeah, exactly. So other than that setup of like, hey, there's porn in this world. Like we don't really get any indication like we do in the original, and so it kind of mutes some of the impact of it later on. Of like like, oh shit, that was you know. Well, I think what also mutes the impact of that later on is that the scene where Stallone is talking to Rachel Lee Cook. Mm. Um, the acting is not very good. So mm. so the well, the, like she's she's not she's fine. She's fine. Like all these people in this movie are good in other things. Oh, yeah. I don't think anybody's good in this movie. I don't think anybody comes out of this movie looking good. I think Michael Caine, you can almost see the paycheck in his hand. <laughs> like you can almost see him making an appointment to go to the desk. Later I think John C. His... McGinley is fucking one hundred percent ass. John C. McGinley in this sure. movie. <laughs> yeah, he's got energy. I'll yeah. give you that. But basically, everyone in this movie just kind of looks like they're there. Yeah, they are. But but in that yeah, so that that also nullifies the impact to me is that we get that scene later where Stallone is like in so many ways telling Rachel Lee Cook that he knows about the video and she's talking about it and it's supposed to be real emotional, but I'm just like. You guys are both blank slates right now. Plus, yeah. they have zero chemistry. Yeah. So I just mean like, yeah. There, 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 the, my point is that scene is not very well done. So I, that whole that whole aspect of the movie is just a big blip to me. Yeah. Uh, I think one of the biggest issues with this. Okay, so obviously it probably seems hard to please us because uh, you know we have remakes that are too close to the original that we complain about. We have remakes that are not enough like the original that we complain about. What is a good median? I mean, I don't know. But but I think... But I think the other problem is that this is not a good movie. No, no, I don't think it's a good movie. <laughs> but um, like, I think a good remake is something that 
can maintain the spirit of the original, maybe maintain some of the message of the original if appropriate, but but also put its own spin on it, maybe modernize it where necessary. Um, this is a movie that tries to do that, I think. But, well, but Internet porn, baby. Internet porn, exactly. And then, of course, like stylistically, this is very much a movie of the 99-2000 era. I... When we'll talk about that. Yeah. But the, the biggest difference to me is the character of, of Jack Carter. Oh, 1,000%. So, because, of course, in the original, Jack Carter, you know, I mean, they're similar guys. They're both mob hitmen. They both have a brother that dies, and they both want to go deal with it. But in the original, Jack Carter is never really ascribed any morality. It's never judged. Oh, he, he he's, just is. And he's, he's, he's a villain. Yeah, as, as somebody pointed out, I read it, he's, a, he's an interesting combination of specific and ambiguous. That he, you know, he's out looking for information on this, and he's trying to find out, but it's also not clear exactly why he wants to do it beyond the revenge of it and it's it's a bit nihilistic but he goes out he figures out who does it he kills that person and then he gets killed for it like it's we're not supposed to necessarily sympathize with him we're not supposed to necessarily like him right whereas the stallone character and this maybe was a function of similar uh american makes and i i think alfie is a great comparison here um, yeah, because Jude Law more likable in that movie. Exactly, and that's what they're trying to do with Stallone in this movie is they're trying to make Jack Carter a little more likable character, a little more relatable. Like, he's not just a psychopath who wants to avenge his brother's murder because it needs to satisfy this violent tendency uh, and maybe a reputation-related kind of thing. He does have some emotional attachment to his brother, and he wants you know, and he wants to help his family and stuff, and that's great. And I understand why Stallone maybe wanted to look like that instead of like a cold-hearted, murderous killer that Michael Caine was in the original. Um, because maybe American audiences have a harder time. At least they thought in 2000, American audiences maybe have a harder time relating to someone who has no redeeming qualities. I think that's changed. I think American audiences now can. I don't. I think. I think American audiences have been capable of that for a long time. I think that the that the studios think yeah, that it could, that's it could have been that. I mean, and, and even seeing more multifaceted villain characters that are ostensibly protagonists, like a Tony Soprano, where. You know, Tony has his little good things as well as the fact that he's a monstrous villain of a. But person. I mean, L.A. Confidential was three years before this, yeah. and that had so many shades of gray characters. Yeah, well, that was uh, bad. That's Brian one De Palma. Of, one of my favorite movies, by the way. No, that is Curtis Hanson, my friend. Is it? Yeah. Ooh. I guess I confused that with uh, the other mob movie, Untouchables. Yeah, that's De Palma. No, L.A. Well, Confidential. Has Curtis Hanson directed anything else? I would know. Eight Mile. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Those are the two I know of. Hmm. And Eight Mile is a great movie, and actually, and so is LA Confidential. LA Confidential. I, I couldn't tell you a thing about it. I haven't seen it in years, but I remember liking it. I just remember watching it and being super confused about who anyone was, and then the second <laughs> time I watched it, I was like, everything clicked. Was it a very colorful movie? Yeah, it was pretty colorful. It was, mm -hmm. good. It, was, it, was a, it was a pretty film. Wasn't quite Dick Tracy, though. I, I haven't seen it. Dude. I'm going to. Is that my homework? Yeah, well, do it for your other podcast because you're probably you could probably ask why was it made, but uh, I think the answer that's is, not my, my podcast. I'm going to tell you right now, folks. Spoiler: Why was Dick Tracy made? Because Warren Beatty wanted to make it. Jason, I don't believe my podcast asks the question how, <coughs> how did this get made. No, uh, it asks uh, what were they thinking, and what they were thinking was Warren Beatty bought the rights to this, I think, so right. and wants to do it. <laughs> so you you mentioned that's a gr such a great spot to start is how different the Carter characters are, Jack Carter. 
Also, I want to note that in this movie, in the original movie, okay, for mm. a, a while in the movie, we don't know the extent of how brutal he can be. Mm. We see him be a total dick. We see him basically not give a shit that someone who was helping him got the ever-loving fuck beat out of them. Because yeah. remember, right? That yes, guy, that dude. He likes it gets him to go do a thing for him, and he and he gets shit the shit kicked out of him, and he basically just like yeah, whatever. And then he even like pushes pr- puts pressure on like where he got shot or whatever. Like he's an asshole. He he has phone sex right in front of that other woman. Mm. In this movie, there's no phone sex scene. No. He doesn't double cross anyone. He also in this movie, in this remake, he spares someone's life. Yeah, he that, says, that I'm, gonna, I'm gonna give you the chance that I never got. I'm giving you a second chance. Wasn't that weird to you? Yeah. Because in this movie, he spares Alan Cummings' life. And as far as I know, his character in this movie is Maybe not as involved as some of them, but he's pretty involved with this whole thing. This this character is clearly a prototype of Sam Jackson's character in Kingsman, uh, the the Alan internet. Cumming? Yes, yes, the internet billionaire asshole, uh, uh, but clearly not nearly as competent as Samuel Jackson's character in Kingsman, or Samuel Johnson, or Samuel Johnson, or Samuel Adams. Always a good decision. Not in the morning. <laughs> Well, Jason's broken. My mouth tastes like uh, hooker spit and weed. I will have a Sam Adams. I was just thinking about that, yeah. Not uh, our joke. Not our joke. No, family guy, great. Thank you. CC Seth MacFarlane. That's right. Send, we him, want him, send him a nickel and thank him. Don't send him a nickel. He's fine. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, what were you saying? What was I saying? What was I talking Oh, uh, uh, yeah, Alan Cummings' character is an asshole, and he's an internet billionaire and or millionaire or something. Uh, and he wears a dumb cowboy hat. And but also, I love that he's like, he's like, uh, he's like before they had gotten to the point of the Mark Zuckerberg, maybe the like the, this character. He's like, you know, I'm a nerd, and girls are hard, so I need to keep that image up in front of the stockholders. But I want to get out with the girls and do this and that. And it's, oh, it just feels so so of the era mm. uh, of misunderstanding the creeps that would be uh, uh, running internet companies. Because no, no, make no mistake, they were probably terrible, mm. uh, and probably deserved to be in prison, <laughs> including yeah. current ones. Yeah, they're all yeah, round them all up, all the technocrats. <laughs> But, um, yeah, and, and I don't know. Yeah, he just seemed like he just seemed like he was like, I thought the big thing was that he was going to be the final villain that Carter yeah. killed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I saw him, he was like, I'm going to give you a second chance. Thank I you, thought, Mr. Carter. Thank you. I thought either he was fucking with him and he was going to kill him or that Alan Cumming was going to reach down and grab a gun and try to kill him. And then he was going to kill him. Mm. <laughs> I'm going to do something for you. Nobody ever did for me. I want to give you a second chance. Please don't make me come back. No. Oh, Mr. Carter, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I promise I won't make you come. Thank you. I also like Dallin Cummins uh, clearly put on accent uh oh my it god it wasn't bad but it was also very forced it felt very forced and strong it just let him now let me There's tell so you many... something mr carter now now <laughs> there are there are multiple people in this movie that i wish this movie would have just let them keep their accent alan cummings with a scottish accent is fantastic alan cumming and also um like i said the or they could have had him do like the weird eastern european accent from x-men 2 well like, <laughs> like i said though like miranda richardson yeah she's not american just let her do her accent 
I, I like that Michael Caine's the only one they didn't force to drop his accent. What are they going to do? Tell Michael Caine, my, Mr. Caine, could you please do an American accent? Now, that's another question, folks. I don't know. Has Michael Caine ever tried to do an American accent in a movie? Let me know. He probably could. You know, I, I've heard him do other British accents, so there's no reason why he couldn't do American accent, but I would love to hear it. I also have to give ma- a major demerit to mm-hmm. Alan Cumming because he makes the worst he makes the worst metaphor about golf. Yeah, I didn't quite understand what he was trying to say. Well, he's like, you know what? You know why I like golf? Because he's getting annoyed with Stallone's question. Because it's questions. always going, man. Because it's always going. I go up to the ball, and I hit it, and it goes away forever. And that's what I like, making things go away. So he's like, like, what does that even mean? <laughs> so, so you're saying you want him to go away. But also, I just want to note, Alan Cumming, in golf, after you make it go away, you go back and you get it back. You, you have to go find it. You don't just hit it and leave it be. So you you're, go find it. So, so you're saying that you like you want it, you want him to go away, but then you know what? Come back in ten minutes. But then you're specifically gonna go out and try to find him. You're gonna like get the fuck out of here. I'm gonna send you on a plane to Alaska Air, and then you're gonna like chase him down, hunt him down. Did no one proofread that line? Like did that what one? what amount of cocaine was done the night this script was written? Was this script written in six to eight hours? What what happened? You know why I like golf, Mr. Carter? Because the ball just keeps going away. <laughs> Only sport where you hit that little sucker and it doesn't come back at you. I've got to want to go after it and get it. And when I get to it, I just knock it away again. <laughs> See what I'm saying, Mr. Carter? Once I get rid of it, I never want to see it again. I thought you were going to ask if uh, Vince McMahon and Hulk Hogan wrote this in a hotel room. Oh, man, that would... Oh, was that, that was how No Holds Barb was written, was it not? <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Get Carter written by... How, how, how much shit would be in your underwear if you saw a credit pop-up for Get Carter that said, written by Hulk Hogan and Vincent Kennedy McMahon? I think there's still time. I think Hogan, I think Hogan could do it. I oh, think but no, need- no, but how much shit? Oh, be long. It would probably be eight to sixteen ounces. Okay, okay, continue. But immediately there. Yes. No delay. No. Uh, yeah. No, I would like to see Hulk Hogan play Jack Carter. <laughs> yeah. Okay. okay. Getting in people's faces and being like, "I need to know what happened to my brother." brother. I love also how in this movie Stallone had like a catchphrase. Because he was like, you don't want to know me. I'm Jack Cutter, and you don't want to know me. I'm like, really? What are we doing? We, I mean, we do have a few good lines in this movie. I'm sure that will come up in the bits and bobs, because I don't remember them now, but what, I wrote them down. What's the thing he says when he's he beats the shit out of someone, then he walks out, and he's like, God damn, it's good to be home, or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, it's like, uh, it's good to be back in the city, or yeah, good to be home. Uh, oh, he's like, he's like, shit, it's good to be home. Yeah. Saigon, shit. <laughs> I would love Sylvester Stallone in Apocalypse Now. <laughs> He's thinking over Kurtz. And Schwarzenegger playing Colonel Kurtz. Oh, shit. Oh, we got to do this. Why we got to make this happen. You know what? We're just, you know what we're doing right now, Jason? What, what we're doing is giving away free money. Well, that. <laughs> but also, we're basically just doing a scenario where studios have 100% say. Because you know they would do that. If Apocalypse Now was made in, like, well, let's say 1992, they would be like, Stallone is Kurtz. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, sorry, Schwarzenegger's Kurtz. Yeah, Stallone is... Whoever Martin Short... Martin? Kurt, Captain... Oh, what was his name? Oh, he's in the book, too. Captain Spawn villain. We probably wouldn't just remake Apocalypse Now, though. We'd probably do a version of Heart of Darkness. We'd do a colonial era, you know. But, but And it would be, like, 92 minutes, because there's no way they'd make it three hours. Actually, you know what? I would cast against type. I would cast Ron Funches as Colonel Kurtz. 
But you know the studio wouldn't do that. No, they wouldn't do that, but I would tell them to. Okay. Ron Funches is Colonel Kurtz. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. Colonel Kurtz. Ron Funches is Colonel Kurtz. I was wondering who, what character you were talking about. And uh, Big E as, um, uh, you know, the main main role. Martin Sheen role. Yeah, Martin Sheen role. His name yeah. I can't remember for some reason. And Kofi Kingston as that whatever role uh, Lawrence Fisherman played. And Austin... Uh, what, I guess Xavier Woods. What's his other name? Austin, oh, Austin Creed? Creed. Austin Creed would play the uh, the chef who's like, oh, I I went up from Louisiana and I'm a saucier. <laughs> I don't think that's a character. In <laughs> no, that's now. I, I swear to God that guy is in Apocalypse Now. Unless I'm fucking crazy, Jay- there's the the saucier on the ship. And listeners, don't be alarmed. Jason dropped his vape. It's fine. He's got it. But I'm not fucking cr- folks. I'm not crazy. There's a saucier in Apocalypse Now. Okay, perfect. Let's move on. <laughs> Because <laughs> the other big thing I want to talk about for the for the, the other big thing that stands out is the relationship between Jack Carter and Doreen, mm. his niece. Mm. Because I, I said at one point in this movie jokingly, but I almost believed that he was going to fuck her at some point. There, there's always that assumption when you have an older male white uh, star and a younger female uh, uh, actress that there's going to be something. But then they are technically related in this movie, so that would that would be extra. That would be spicy. But I do think that they tried more in this movie to push the, the relationship between them. Mm. I feel like in the original Get Carter, there is some of that. Like, he's, he's certainly... They show him certainly... Now, we can argue about whether or not he actually cares, but quote-unquote caring. He's he's trying to at least give the appearance of a caring uncle, because he's like, if you need anything, you call me. Yeah, yeah. And like, he, he says that too to her, right? Like about Doreen, like, you know, in that video. But then, he, but then like, Stallone goes out and he smokes with her and tries to have a chat, and then he takes her to dinner, and they have a kind of a laughing conversation where she well, asks him about if he went to prison and if he shot anybody. A lot of smoking in this movie. A lot of smoking in this movie. It was 2000, man. And that was another thing I noted. You could smoke anywhere, and God damn it, that was wonderful. And I'm also glad that it's gone. Don't get me wrong but fuck that was wonderful Dude. i would still smoke brendan if i could smoke in a restaurant so i'm glad they got rid of it <laughs> the weird thing so the weird thing is like also too like there's a there's a weird moment where um and then maybe this is more of a bit involved but i'm sorry i'm just going to mention it now because you mentioned the smoking yeah there's a weird moment where she lights up and he looks at her as if he's shocked that she's smoking and i'm like you saw her smoking in three other scenes yeah, yeah, no, there was there was a specific moment, yeah, where she's doing something other than cigarettes. Or no, he, you know, because he's like, he's like, wait a minute, you drink coffee? And she's, like, I'm like, you just saw her smoking fucking cigarettes. You, don't it, the, you and the coffee's what surprises you? Yes, yes, that's what it was. <laughs> this movie is anti-caffeine. Yeah, no, this very movie much. is made by Big Tobacco, and it's anti-caffeine. Look, if you want to start your day, girl, you gotta light up a Marlboro. That's the only way to get going, as far as I'm concerned. Coffee to start your growth. Also, for some reason, Stallone smoking is weird to me. Is it? Is it? I, I mean, don't think he's, I've seen I'm, it very often. Surely, I mean, surely he smoked in Cobra. I don't know. I don't. I feel like I haven't seen. I feel like I don't see a lot of big action stars smoke outside well, of like certainly Bru- not anymore. Outside of Bruce Willis. Yeah. Well, I mean, what's he gonna do? You're gonna have to. You have to move the fucking lighting to where he's standing. I so mean, when you're you loop, when you're looping that much, you gotta yeah. you gotta smoke. <laughs> you're looping every day, this guy. <laughs> but yeah, so I think I think, and the problem is again, and I I think both actors are certainly capable of good performances, but I don't think Stallone and Rachel Lee Cook really have anything here. Yeah, I mean, it, it's fine. It's like, it's fine. It, it does the trick, but yeah, it's nothing special. This whole movie could be described as, you can put it on the back of the box, just nothing special. <laughs> we need to talk about, you mentioned how the style of this movie is so different. We yes. need to talk about the terrible editing style of this okay, movie. So I, I will say this editing style, I don't mind in context. Like it reminded me somewhat of Fight Club. 
uh, from the era, like of these. How uh, well, dare in, in this, you? Well, I know, I know. Fight Club's a much better movie, but like these quick cuts, these weird like like flashes where it's almost like the, they're trying to give the implication that like the film got, I don't know, like a few frames got burned out or something, where it like flashes almost white, and you have like lose a few frames, so it like looks extra fast. Like they're doing that sort of stuff, which was the style at the time when we were both wearing onions on our belts. I was well, I was gonna say that <laughs> you got ahead of me. Damn it. I got there first. Um, yeah, and, and it's it's a real contrast to the original, which was a very much slow, deliberate, quiet, ri- until it then explodes in the various scenes where Carter gets violent. And that's an example, too. In the original, Carter, is it Geraldine? Is that her name? He finds her, and he beats the shit out of her, and you know, like grabs her and hauls her out of the tub. And, then and he puts her in the trunk of his car. Puts her in the trunk of his car. Up, and then with that car, gets ends up, ends up getting like sent into the ocean, and so she drowns and dies. But that was Gary Carter? I thought that was performance. No, that was Get Carter. That was Get Carter. What? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe not. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. She feasts this horrible end, and in this one, he like confronts her and like slams his hand against the wall, but it's like, look, I don't want to hurt you. I didn't come here to hurt you. <laughs> and, and I'm not, I'm not going to shit on this movie for not beating up a lady, okay? No, that, that's what it sounds like you're doing. <laughs> if that's what it sounds like, that's not what I mean. It's just that this character in the original was that kind of character with well, very that, little morality. That just goes back to what you said about this being a different Jack Carter, a yeah. softer Jack Carter. Again, it's the Alfie effect. It's similar to Alfie, although Alfie was later. But like, yeah, softening the American character what, so there's a likableness. What's it all about? Man? Now, how about if Sylvester Stallone had played Alfie? <laughs> you know, uh, I'll pay for it. You know, if I put that baby in your belly, then I'm gonna pay for it. Michael, K- but I'll tell you what, the best. I'll be a good dad. I'll be there. You know what the best one would have been though? What's that? Michael came in over the top. I'll just stop driving me truck for a day. When I put when I put me cap on backwards, that's when I go full trucker. <laughs> Whatever the fuck he says. Michael Caine and Rambo though would have been fantastic. Oh, I'm telling you that scene at the end. But by the way, folks, if you've never seen Rambo, and I've probably said this before, Rambo is a fantastic now, Jason, movie. Now Jason's talking about First Blood. First Blood. First Blood is a fantastic movie. It is a a milestone movie in the '70s. It is. Uh, a strong comment on the effects of PTSD on soldiers. It is, it is not what it is, and it is one hundred percent not what Rambo became. It was an anti-statement to that. I don't know why Rambo became the complete opposite of what it was, but well, I mean, I'm pretty sure I could tell you why. Well, money. <laughs> I mean, really, that's the answer to everything, isn't it? Money. It's not about race, Brendan. It's, it's a not crime. about religion. Ba-da-da. It's not about Ba-da-da. ethnicity. Ba-da-da. It's about Ba-da-da. fucking Ba-da-da. money. Ba-da-da. Tell your kids, folks, it's all about money. It's a crime. That's my political position. Get Carter. The editing style again. I got to go back to it for a second because, yes, I know you said it's very like uh, symbolic of that time in history, but. I just it just reminded me of how much I hated it, and I hate it even more now. I hate those fights because there's fight scenes mm. where Stallone goes to hit someone, and then we do that dropped frames thing where he's already hit them and they're on the yeah. ground, and I'm like, that's just lazy. Well, and, and isn't there a part where he like he he drops a guy to the ground, and then he like picks up like a tray or something and throws it at him and says a pithy line like that was unnecessary. Like you know, Jack Carter in the original wouldn't have done that. He'd have beat the fuck out of the guy and moved on. He's not a one liner guy. No, he's not a one liner guy. And and there's a couple of those. There's in this a, one. There's a 
another scene too in an elevator where John C. McGinley and this other guy like find him. Oh, that's that, I like that scene. I like the conceit of there's there's this lady in the elevator and they're all in there and they're like talking to each other and waiting for her to get out. So and as soon as she leaves, of course, that's when the shit goes down. But I don't even think that scene really reaches like a comedic potential that it could have. No, and that's a shame because John C. McGinley very funny. Yeah, well, that's the thing. You got a funny, a talented, funny guy in there who mm. did Office Space that very same year or the year before, I believe. So it was, it was also on Scrubs, a very funny show. Yeah, well, not at the time, no. but yes, later on. But it Wall Street. He was in Wall Street. <laughs> a hilarious, hilarious movie. movie. <laughs> Greed is good. One of the best comedic performances. Uh, Michael Douglas, stand up of our time. <laughs> Anyway, um, but yeah, no, I don't even think that scene reaches. Its, and then, and then, of course, the fight itself. I just, I just think is horribly filmed. Hmm. Wait, which fight? In the elevator. Oh right, yeah, yeah. And, and they also have the bit in there where he like imagines a scenario first. Yeah, he was he was kind of having the Robert Downey Jr. and Sherlock Holmes thing going on, where he was like he he like sees him like just pulling off a bunch of shots into him, and then trying to like take him hostage and it not working out. Oh, but sh- it's the only time in the movie that happens is in that one specific scene. So it, it's really out of place. Yeah, it'd be one thing if it was like because with the Sherlock thing, like that happens, I believe, multiple times. Like that's a thing that that that's a thing that is part of his character. This just happens once for no reason. Also, why the fuck hasn't Stallone played Sherlock Holmes? Oh, Sherlock Stallone. There's still time. <laughs> There's still time. It would be the Watson to Stallone's Sherlock. Oh fuck, Frank Stallone. Frank Stallone, obviously. <laughs> hey, bro. Well, actually, no. He'd have to play Mycroft Holmes because he's his brother. Okay. So mm-hmm. Watson would be like Kurt Russell. That's right. Kurt Russell. <laughs> Even though they've only been in one movie together. Holmes, I don't know what we're doing here. <laughs> I don't know. Is that a good Kurt Russell? I have I no idea. So. I don't know who I was doing there. I don't know who. I don't know what he's. Am I doing like. Ray Liotta? I think I'm doing Ray Liotta. Yeah, you have to act a lot crazier and more coked out. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I, just to say, I don't like, uh, for some reason I wrote down, am I watching the mod squad? Like this <laughs> felt like to me at times. Claire Danes, by the way, is in that movie. She's a great actor. Mm. Much better than the mod squad. Lots of good actors. Brendan have done lots of bad Horrible movies. soundtrack. Mod squad. This movie. Oh, this movie. Horrible See, soundtrack. See, I, I disagree. I like the soundtrack in the sense that, that if it was a different movie, it, it, that's the thing is that this movie being called Get Carter ultimately I think was was a bad idea because it does invite comparisons to the original. If they had just done their own like mob revenge movie, they probably would have been better off and this movie probably would be better regarded. I don't know. I'm not saying that this movie is Shakespeare, <laughs> but I'm saying that because... I believe that's what you said. Because it has the oh, weight shit. of... Sylvester Stallone and Hamlet. Yeah. Well, someday. <laughs> Wasn't that a Simpsons joke or something? I'm sure it was. Maybe it sounds like The Critic. Mm. Oh, yeah, it does sound like The Critic, doesn't it? Mm. It stinks. Like, this is a... Co- I think this is a competently made movie, but yeah, it's just... It's as a... as Having the Hot weight take. of the Get Carter ter- uh, name over it, it doesn't do it justice, and it pisses off people who like the original, because it doesn't... It's not nearly as edgy, really. Uh, it's it's a it's a bit of a milk-a-toast take. Hmm. It's a it's a coward's take. I don't know. There was there was okay. So there was one music quote, and I'm gonna pull out my bits and bobs notes because I want to mention this. Okay, before you forget, because there's one music quote. (laughs) No music quote. Sorry, there's one music cue when Stallone is okay. Do you remember that scene? So they redo the scene from the original where Michael Caine is like basically confronted by these people that are like, "Here's your ticket out of here. Get out of here today." Yeah, yeah, Yeah. They have that scene where Stallone is like, they're like, here's your ticket, yeah. going to Alaska. He drops it on the here. ground. <laughs> yeah, and and they have the whole scene where he chases them. There's a scene where, so he has a gun, he threatens the guys, the guys stand down, he chases after the other guy, and they play the song, and it starts off with like an intro, 
it's like if you see an unarmed man you the best course of action is to run away and then it goes like bah, 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 yeah, bah, yeah. and i'm like what the fuck is that that is so, like suicide okay. squad level so uh, so that uh, quote was uh, from the song that was played yes it felt like it was on like a loudspeaker no and, that and was the I, song I, know, no, I, I figured out after the fact that it wasn't but when i first heard it start it's like wait is there a loudspeaker that somebody's screaming this into on this and then the song started and it wasn't until now that i put it together that it's like it's like chumba wamba with that the, with the from brassed off it's like the quote that starts the song whatever they're paying you it ain't gonna be enough what do you want to do boy what do you want come on cowboy you want to get a rep come on take your best chance get a rep come on come on shoot him you got the stuff you got the ball come on you got the guts let's see you do it come on go on put it down Put it down. There is no dishonor in avoiding confrontation. When dealing with an armed man, the best course of action is to run. Wow, thank you for telling me what was going on in this scene that I could see on the screen. Jason, not to spoil this, I don't like this movie. No, I, I know you don't. <laughs> I know you don't. But, um... Yeah, what was I going to say here? Oh, in the movie also, what do you think about this movie revealing its hand ha- a half an hour into the film? Because in in the original Get Carter, we don't know who's doing what, who's responsible for what, until that final 30 minutes. Mm. This movie, like 25 minutes in... Does it point out that Brumley was basically responsible for everything? Well, no, it's revealed that Rourke had a hand in it. Oh, yeah. Because he's the one who actually killed Carter's oh, brother. Okay. And they reveal that because Alan Cumming like, phones him, does he not? Or is that him phoning Michael Caine? He's phoning somebody to be like, take care of this problem. Like, I want out. Another reason why I'm shocked that he lived. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they just pulled the punches, man. They just pulled those punches. They don't want Stallone to feel like a fucking monster when that's absolutely what he should have been. Um, another little thing, another thing that pissed me off is that they go to great lengths to establish this weird thing about Jack Carter having like almost like an ADHD. Because when, when he's meeting with Doreen in the restaurant, mm. remember he has, like, they have, like, the salt shaker. You see him moving everything kind of in place. Yeah. She takes the salt. She spills it on the table. She takes something else. She spills it on the table. She moves something out of the way, and she's like, does that bother you? Does that bother you? And he's like, actually, I'm having a hard time keeping it together looking at that. You mean he's more OCD, OCD, yeah. yeah. But that never comes mm. back. Like, you'd think. And that could have been an interesting way to take it, like a Mr. Monk approach to this hitman, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Jason, the other big difference is the ending. Yeah. He yeah, makes it. He he does it. He gets his revenge, and he moves on with his life. And so what? I don't know if they plan for a franchise or something, oh. but... <laughs> the, I mean, these days, if they remake Get Carter, he also would survive because they always have to have the door open for a franchise now. Yeah, they don't want to blow an opportunity to make money, certainly. It's like, we didn't see them die on screen. We didn't see the bullet go into his brain and explode Well, it. that's why we have so many prequels, because people made movies, you know, they just made movies, and then it's like, oh, that character was cool. We shouldn't have killed him, so let's do a bunch of prequels. Hey, Kingsman, Golden Circle, fuck off. Is that what they did? Well, they bring Colin Firth back, and it's Even though stupid. it was clear that he was murdered pretty clearly but no you, you see jason what happened is there was a sponge thing in his head oh and the bullet just absorbed and oh, he's fine that makes sense die stallone die just, just die to die i mean that would have made the movie so much better why make this movie why remake this particular movie of all things yeah a movie that was not super 
well-known in its time and only after many years kind of became a cult classic and then eventually recognized by the British Film Institute as an important film in the genre. In the year of our Lord, 1999, Absolutely. which would have been a year before this came out, yeah. maybe that's why. That, maybe that was it. Maybe it was in the consciousness. Um, I, I would be interested to go through the list and see if there were any other remakes and such made around this time specifically. I mean, Italian Job was 2003. Yeah, so say within, within a five to ten year range. I also don't understand why Michael Caine would have done this other than for the money. Yeah, I mean, where was Michael Caine at in his career in 2000? I mean, this was pre-Austin Powers, right? This is before he was in Goldmember. Because Goldmember kind of revitalized I think his so, career. Yeah, I would say, right? absolutely, yeah. They got I, him back, because that probably led to him eventually getting Batman. As a youngster, I didn't know who he was before no, Goldmember. And then no. as soon as he was in Goldmember, and people were talking about, oh, it's great to see Michael Caine and something yeah. like this. It's like... Who's this guy? Yeah. Batman Begins, Dark Knight, yeah, he's all these movies, Children of Brought Moon, himself back into Kingsman. the youth consciousness. Yeah. And Kingsman, for sure. Like People know who he is now again, and it's wonderful that he got that resurgence after that. And for this, sure. And this, and maybe unfortunately, but this was a step on the path to that. Sure. Because, I mean, before this, what was he doing? Like He did those like late period Harry Palmer I mean, movies. In, like They were like TV movies. Wasn't he in the Cider House Rules? I feel like that was that Oscar yeah, movie. Yeah, but wasn't that later than 2000? It was 99. Was that 99? Okay. Weird that he would do this then. Did he maybe Did he maybe film this before the Cider House Rules did really well at the box office? I would say 100%. Yeah. <laughs> but, but also, maybe he had a regard for that movie and he wanted to be a part of a remake of it. I mean, there is that possibility. That's possible. Um, but before we take a break, Jason, are there any big major points that we didn't make so far? Uh, not offhand, but if they come we didn't up, talk about Mickey Rourke at all. Yeah, well, let's talk about a little bit about Mickey Rourke, and then we'll take a quick break. Uh, okay. Mickey Rourke in this movie is Mickey Rourke, <laughs> and we'll be right back. <laughs> I I think he's great. He's Mickey Rourke, just being a tough ass motherfucker who doesn't give a shit about anything, and he gets into a fight with Stallone at one point, and I feel like that was in his contract. It's like, look, if I'm going to be in this movie, I got to be able to beat the shit out of Sylvester Stallone. And Stallone was like, okay, you're the one guy I'll let do that because <laughs> I I believe it. <laughs> I do think this movie, weirdly enough, and I'm sorry, I'm going off topic again, but because you met, and this is just because you mentioned that this Jack Carter is more sympathetic. Yeah. But the weird thing is they still go the same route with the Audrey character mm. where he calls and he's basically like, listen, I'm leaving Vegas. This is whatever happens, happens. Try to get out, I guess. That whole plot is such an afterthought. I don't know why they bothered to even put it in it because they it doesn't doesn't mean anything. It doesn't should, do anything. Yes, they should not have fucking even bothered. In the original movie, you get the idea like, okay, he's abandoning her because yeah. he de obviously doesn't give a fuck. No. Exactly. He's an asshole. Yeah. In this movie, you're like, why is he but, abandoning yeah, her? In this movie, this guy's supposed, supposedly supposed to be a guy with a little bit more of a conscience than the original, right? And, and it's not like in this movie he falls for Miranda Richardson even. Like it, he's just, he's just like, I'm leaving Vegas, baby. My theory is that the only reason that this plot is in the movie is so they can have that scene of her early on where she's in bed because that's specifically called back to the original one where he calls her and she's like rolling around in bed and she's wearing like a house coat, and she's barefoot and whatever. Like it's, it's weird that she's uncredited. Yeah. Because oh, that she? means yeah. they wouldn't have had to pay her like regular pay. Or maybe she did it as a favor. Maybe she's friends with the director. Stephen K. and Gretchen Wall, if you're friends, let us know your let joint know. Twitter account. Sure. Uh, yeah. Come on the show. We want to talk to you. I wonder if Stephen K. Like, saw uh, a crying game and was like, lady, I loved you. And she was like, oh, you're sweet. And he's like, I got this movie. Would you like to do it for less than scale? And she's like, of course. 
I don't know now. I don't know. Maybe you can confirm, Jason. I don't know if we can confirm in studio. I don't know if Mike Hodges was alive in 2000. No, he was because I happened to, I didn't read the article, but when I was Googling this movie. He didn't like it? I did see a thing that says, Get Carter, director, says something bad about, uh, yeah, he wasn't particularly hot on this one. (laughs) Not a shocker at all. I was hoping for something like that. Um, but yeah, I guess yeah. Mickey Rourke is Mickey Rourke, and that pretty much sums it up. Yeah, he he does a trick. He's a he's a scumbag, and Mickey Rourke, if nothing else, can play a fucking great scumbag. Sure, he's so good at that. I mean, let's face it, the wrestler saved his career. Oh no, the wrestler and the wrestler's a fantastic movie, and it shows that he's actually really good at what he does when he gets the right. He was role. robbed. He was robbed. That's yeah. all I'm saying. Sean Penn and Melk, you're great, but that was Rourke's year. Rourke was he deserved it, man. He earned that. Have you ever met a one legged dog? I love that Ernest the Cat Miller was the one that wrestled him. That's a fantastic... It's great for Ernest. That was probably the most high-profile thing he's done in his career. You ever seen a one-trick pony? Well, you've seen me. I wish, though, that they would have had him wrestle Vince McMahon. Well, you see me. It would have been like a whole metaphor for like the entire wrestling industry beating up Vince McMahon. Yeah, dude, I'm good. I'm done. All right. Well, all right. That's enough of that bullshit. Let's move on to Bits or Bobs, but we got to take a break, Brendan. We have to take a break. We need to hear a few messages from our sponsors. So, so Jason, we will be right back. Age of Radio. You're going to hear some bits. You're going to hear some bobs. You're going to hear some bits and bobs. Bits and bobs from Jason. Who's that man? Jason. He's on a podcast. What's that podcast for? Screen and country. With bits and bobs from Jason's bits and bobs with Jason's bits and bobs with Jason on for screen and country. Bits and Bobs with Jason is brought to you by the new season of Star Trek Lower Decks, available on, uh, what do they call it now? Paramount Plus. Listen, as much as I'd love to have a sponsor on that <laughs> level, not I, This is a wishful sponsor. I want them to sponsor the show, and then I want them to say, Jason, we love you. We know you love Star Trek. We'd love for you to do a guest shot on Lower Decks. You want Patrick Stewart to send you a video of himself from the episode of Saturday, Saturday Night Live that he hosted, where he introduced Salt and Peppa by saying, Salt! And Papa, that that would be fantastic. No, but I would love to hear. Uh, I would love to have a video of Patrick Stewart being like, "Do you remember when I was on Graham Norton and I told you that story about whether I had a foreskin or not?" Well, check this out. See, I love how I, 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 I can now <laughs> match you with the obscure references, but only SNL related. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Because I've got a broader array of a references. Pat, Pat, Patrick Stewart did announce Salt and Pepper in a very hilarious way. Well, I, I would love to see him dancing around with Salt and Pepper. That would be fantastic. He, he was have fun, <laughs> was he? <laughs> While Salt and Pepper are performing, I remember distinctly. There's a cut. There's a camera shot where they went a little wide, mm. and you could see Patrick Stewart kind of jamming in the background, like, <laughs> sitting down. Yes. Same thing happens when Ian McKellen hosts and Kylie Minogue is the musical guest. Nice. You see. Ian McKellen just kind of groove oh. into it a little bit. God, wouldn't the greatest thing in the world be to sit down and drink six or seven beer with fucking Ian McKellen and Patrick Stewart? I would live with them. <laughs> that would be, oh, that'd be the best thing. I would ever. love them to be a couple. They don't have to have sex. No. But just let well, you know, I mean, they, I mean, Patrick Stewart's Stu- already married. If Patrick Stewart's not feeling it, that's fine. I just want them to be a couple. That's true. We, I want them to hang out as much as possible. By the way, if you want to see something that'll bring so much joy in your life, Folks, find the video where Patrick Stewart is talking to his girlfriend about acting techniques, and he's clearly like a little high. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's so good. Oh, I wish. Oh man, I I just want a Star Trek where they smoke weed. I mean, he's a little high, right? 
I don't think he's drunk. I think he's just a little high. I don't know. I mean, the British are hard to tell because they're so they're such strong alcoholics that it's hard to tell if they're actually drunk or not. Well, he's something. I just don't know what it is. Mm. But he talks mm. to her about double takes and triple takes. And By stuff, the way, and folks, if you're British and you're not an alcoholic, you're a liar. <laughs> that is coming from two raging alcoholics. Absolutely. At least as far as this podcast is concerned. If this podcast was our life, Brendan, we'd never stop drinking. <laughs> Jason, this is the longest introduction ever. Do you have bits and bobs? <laughs> oh, bits and bobs. Sure. Yeah, I got those. Let me check. Okay. Uh, the opening quote. Can we talk about that? Uh, is the is it, uh, wait, I, I forget. Is it... Uh, uh, that's the, all we... The, the, only, the only true evil is when good men do nothing. The Edmund Burke quote that's in uh, Tears of the Sun. No. No? The quote is... <laughs> the quote, by the way, that's a coming soon for my other podcast, probably. <laughs> it should be, absolutely. Yeah. No, it's, that's all we expect of man. This side, the grave, his good is knowing he is bad. By Robert Browning. I think that's a really, uh, I think right off the bat, they're being like, this movie's going to be something, and it never lives up to that. My other note is the flashy editing, and we mentioned it already, but there's a scene where John C. McGinley has a line where he's like, I don't mean to sound like a broken record, broken record, broken, broken record. record. <laughs> and I'm like, fuck <laughs> you. Somebody tried to be Guy Ritchie, but without going all the way. Fuck you, Stephen K. <laughs> Get a whole name. Get some letters, you cheapskate. Was the was the opening a like remix maybe of the original's opening? It it had that feel to it. Like it the, was groovy. The style? Like like the music, I mean. Like I don't know. I, I, I don't, don't know. It felt like it was like a remix of like a sixties era kind of sound. I don't recall the original theme music very much, but I know the opening credits were super 2000. Uh, I think they must have let John C. McGinley improv a little bit, because at one point he goes, who are you, Father Mulcahy? Making a very relevant MASH reference in 2000. <laughs> I was wondering what that <laughs> reference was. Yeah, I know. He, he's the, he's the, uh, the chaplain on MASH. Okay. Um, oh, by the way, Doreen, Rachel Lee Cook, when she's, uh, she shows up, I love how the movie codes her as uh, a little bit rebellious, just like by having her have black hair and yeah. a nose ring. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's telling her mom to fuck off. She, she, <laughs> she looks at society, and she turns the other fucking That's cheap, right, bro. man. You can't, you can't hold her back. Um, I noticed the weird editing, in the again, and with John C. McGinley, when he's like doing the, you know, if you don't take care of the business, the business will take care of you. But it's like, if you don't take care of the business, the business, if you don't take care of the business, the business will take care of you. The business will take care of you. The business will take care of you. Is that what they say? Yeah, it's, it's like it's like weirdly cut like oh. that. Yeah, yeah. Um, Whoever did the editing was seriously on cocaine. And I don't mean jokingly on cocaine, which is what you are. Yeah. You're jokingly on jokingly cocaine. Jokingly on cocaine. But this Surely. guy was seriously it's on a bit. cocaine. I'm doing cocaine, but it's a bit. I'm trying to get Josh Gondelman to do cocaine with me, so the doing cocaine is a bit. Ha 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 ha. Jason, what's that white powder right under your nose? Don't worry about it. Okay. Uh, Stallone is a real dumb goatee, even for the 2000s. It's like he like didn't shave for a week and then shaved off the rest of his face, and then he had the goatee. So I would have loved it if he just painted it on like Hollywood Hogan. <laughs> or like or like Groucho, like grease paint. <laughs> would have been great if Get Carter started with like... I mean, with the Voodoo Child by Jimi Hendrix. Clearly, couldn't you, clearly, couldn't you tell? Can you tell by my accurate uh, no. representation? No, not at all. 
Uh, so, of course, this is the uh, uh, late 90s, early 80s. We've got some slow motion in the rain. And, baby, we got us some Dutch angles in this movie. Oh. Uh, reminded me of Battlefield Earth. Earth. Look out. <laughs> Same year, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. I'm sure uh, Roger Christensen was consulting with Stephen K on proper uh, uh, technique. Yeah, and Stephen K was like, I don't know if we're going to, I don't know if we want to make that bad of a movie. <laughs> Uh, at one point, I think John C. McGinley says to uh, uh, Stallone, you don't fix things, you break things, remember? Yeah. He also calls him a simple bitch. No, that was pretty good. <laughs> I, I wrote down, because uh, this amused me, and probably only me, Kane Mio. It's like a cameo from Michael oh, Kane. Oh, I see. I thought you meant like it was like a Mio, like the Mio drink that Michael Kane would endorse. No. It's Kane Mio, you know. I'm Michael Kane. I like to drink water. But you know what? It'd be so much better with water to flavor. Hello. I'm Michael Caine. You probably know me from the film Zulu, an educating reader. <laughs> Specifically. Um, so when we meet Mickey Rourke and we learn that he's an early internet porn pioneer, all the power to him. But um, so when we see him in the strip club, are there just people hanging out looking at internet porn in the strip club? Like it looks like they're just on computers. Like like he has like an internet cafe set up in the strip club to look at porn. I feel like it's an internet cafe on odd numbered days. Also, I got to say, um, there's a great line here because Mickey Rourke, because Stallone tells Mickey Rourke, like, take off your glasses, let me see your, let me see your eyes. And at first I wrote down, oh, Mickey Rourke had it in his contract that he was just going to keep his sunglasses on. <laughs> and someone was fucking with him on set. Yeah, yeah. But he's like, you take off your glasses, let me see your eyes. And then he shows him and he's like, am I still, am I still pretty? And Stallone <laughs> says, like, yeah, it looks like cat piss in the snow. And I'm like, what the fuck metaphor is that? Yeah, I was wondering, was that... At the time, I thought, like, is that implying that maybe Mickey Rourke is gay? Uh, but no, it wasn't. Cat it was piss just... in the snow? Yeah, I know, and it makes no sense. It makes no fucking sense. I wrote <laughs> that down, too. Okay. Oh, so um, so Alan Cummings' character, Kinnear, I believe, is- Greg. A, Greg Kinnear is a, he's a internet, at least millionaire. He's worth like $900 million. He's not quite a billionaire. He's getting there, though. He's not Zuckerberg yet. He clearly should get a membership to a better golf course because they clearly pay the security so little at this golf course that Stallone hands him he's like well, what does Mr. Franklin have to say and he hands him a hundred dollar bill and the guy's like yeah go on in clearly you don't pay your staff enough if they can be that easily bribed thank you because I had to rewind it because I was like wait a second how did he get in and when I noticed that he gave him a hundred dollars which, which you know again for me a person that makes like you know twelve or thirteen dollars an hour at work like yeah I would take a bribe for a hundred dollars but if you pay a security guard a reasonable fee he's not going to do that and keep people out of your fucking private golf club you assholes maybe that's a comment on the rich and yeah. how and how they're they're just not paying their staff very well yeah exactly maybe that's it it's like yeah if you actually would pay people a reasonable wage you could avoid this stupid shit uh, I want to say I want to I want to again echo the thing that you you proposed to our listeners earlier Please tell us if Michael Caine has ever been in a movie where he has an American accent. Yeah, I, I want to know. I, I know. really want to know. I want to see that. That has to have happened at some point in his life. Surely, even like a TV movie in 1989 or something. Like, yeah. Was <sighs> was that really what happened in Alfie? And I just wasn't paying close attention. Oh, maybe. <laughs> um, Alan Cumming is wearing a cowboy hat. Which is funny. I like the idea of like this guy's like an internet billionaire, and now because he's like rich, he wears a cowboy hat. He's great, by the way. I love him in like most things. Th yeah. There's nothing. There's nothing here. But no, he's great. But no, Alan Cumming is fantastic, and I'll watch him in anything for Nightcrawler. sure. Nightcrawler. And yeah, well, come on. Uh, and also, uh, he has the sweetest fucking golf cart. I don't know if you noticed. It's a Hummer. <laughs> it's a Hummer golf cart. 
I believe he also has a remote controlled Hummer later when he's like, I'm 30 years old. And he starts playing with his remote control car. <laughs> a little bit of a comment there on the internet generation. Uh, put your phones down. Uh, I thought the chase through the Christmas tree lot with the cars was a bit, uh, a bit Blues Brothers. Is this a Christmas movie? It certainly seems to take place at Christmas. Is Shenmue a Christmas game? You know what other movie took place at Christmas? Die Hard. I rest my case. Uh, the Long Kiss Goodnight. I mean, is that a Christmas movie? Maybe. We uh, now, now, Jason, I would appreciate it if you say if you endorse it as a Christmas movie, um, solely because I, uh, Nathan and I covered it as a Christmas movie on What Were They Thinking? Die Hard. Uh, Long Kiss Goodnight. Oh, Long Kiss Goodnight. Oh, and I like Long Kiss Goodnight. And yes, sure. Certainly, we never covered Die Hard on that show. <laughs> what Kiss, were they thinking? Yeah, Long Kiss Goodnight, also entertaining. Well, you could argue that maybe easier to break down. What were they thinking? Why? Why would they hire the fucking guy from Moonlighting to be in an action movie? What were the fuck were they thinking? I mean, it just happened to work out. Oh, for Die Hard, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, the Christmas uh, tree thing that was kind of neat. I also noticed that it seemed like they only used old cars in the chases. Like, like Salone drives like a really nice car. Uh, normally, I don't know if it's a Mercedes or a Lexus or something, but it seems like a nice like high-end sedan. And then uh, Doreen uh, drives like a really sweet old Mustang. Uh, but the actual car chases take place with like an old, like it looks like an Oldsmobile and a fucking old Volvo. <laughs> yeah. Um, not a real sensitive representation for, uh, for people with OCD. Because she says, you're, kind of, you're pretty freaky. And he's like, yeah, I guess I'm freaky, but better be freaky than normal. Well, I think he, and then he says, like, it's the straight people you got to watch out for. Is that, is that a pro-LGBTQ message? Uh, let's, let's assume. Stallone, we'll wow. We'll make it that. Hey, you know what? P- props to you. Also, props to Sylvester Stallone for going out of his way to make a statement recently. Jason, this is hot news. Mm. People thought he had moved into Mar-a-Lago. And he he made a statement recently saying, listen, I didn't support anyone in the election. I'm an independent. I'm not living at Mar-a-Lago. Stop saying that, please. Yeah, even even if he was like a a Trump guy, I can imagine that maybe the idea of moving into Mar-a-Lago would probably seem like a poor one. (laughs) Yeah. But he went out of his way to say that he's an independent. Yeah, I don't so, want I, I don't want anybody to think that I'm on their side he, so that they will just come see my movie. He said he has supported. He has said he has supported Republicans in the past and Democrats in the past. That doesn't so we'll surprise just me. Leave it at that, Sylvester. Whatever. He's Sylvester Stallone. He can be think whatever he thinks. I don't. Care. I I don't think he's hateful. Uh, did you notice? Okay, so hey, he was nice to me when I was a child. Oh, was he? I told you that. Story. You did uh, refresh me. I, I I met him when I was a child when I was in Halifax. Oh, okay. I went to Why the was harbor. he there? I went to the harbor. His yacht was there. Oh. I guess he must have been filming something. He came out, went to his uh, went to like a waiting like uh, van or something, and he his security was very mean. But he told the security, "Hey, back off, back off. It's all right. It's okay." And he was shaking everyone's Aww, hand. That's and awesome. He shook my hand, and I cried. Oh! And my mom said later that she, when when he saw me cry, mm. he looked like he had a look on his face that was just like, "Oh man, I like you no." Know, he kind of like had a realization moment. Yeah. Well, it's always cool. I mean, and I'm sure it was uh, uh, to meet this guy that you'd seen on on movies and TV for so long. It's like. so hard for like I get. 
I understand if some people are like, whoa, he's not easy to work with maybe sometimes. But that means a lot. That's the thing is that any celebrity, yeah. when, when they can take the time to just be cool and be nice. And, and I understand, you know, sometimes you're with your family. Sometimes you got to do what you got to yeah. do. You can't always be like that. But when you can, it's wonderful. And it does make an impression. And then I hear stories like uh, the one that resonated with me the most is hearing Tina Fey and her story about Sylvester Stallone hosting Saturday Night Live. Mm. Because she said somebody went up to her. It was her first season as a writer. Yeah. First episode of a season premiere. Wow. And they said, hey, can you give uh, Stallone a note to enunciate his dialogue a bit more? Because we're having a hard time hearing him. Wow. And she says, you want me to do what? Jesus Christ. So she goes up to him and she's like, um, hey, uh, Mr. <laughs> Stallone, uh, so so the the lines in the scene, um, I was wondering if like, and then he cut her off and he's like, hey, you want me to enunciate a little more? <laughs> and she's like, and in her, this is the, from the book Bozzy Pants. And she and she apparently she was like, uh, uh, uh yeah, if if you don't mind, he's like, oh yeah, no problem, no problem. <laughs> that was it. That's awesome. Yeah. So That's I mean, a, you hear uh, that too. So that makes me like him a lot more, even. Exactly. <laughs> so maybe like you know, maybe 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 he just I don't know. He's fine. That's cool. No, no. But that's the thing. It's like he made an impression on you, and that's wonderful that he was nice yeah. to you. I'm glad. I'm glad I to can, hear that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's awesome. So continuing <laughs> with bits and bobs, just wanted to say, nice guy when I was a kid. Yeah. Oh, and also, uh, I've maybe mentioned it before, but apparently Harrison Ford, if you're like an airplane guy, loves you. My, my, my father-in-law worked at an airport in Halifax, and when they were filming K-19, Harrison Ford would come to the airport for their weekly barbecue that they would have, and he would just hang out and shoot the shit with all the plane people because he fucking loves planes, as you know. He strikes me as a guy that, if you were friends with him outside of Hollywood, would yeah. be really cool. Yeah, no, he if, if you're not if you're not like a Hollywood dick sucker, if you're yeah. not interested in talking about Han Solo, if you'd want to talk about airplanes, he, he just, seems like the nicest guy in the world. If you want to hang out and have a beer with him, I yeah. feel like he'd be a really chill guy. Oh, absolutely. But if you want to talk to him about his career... He probably like. Mm-hmm. I listened to the Nerdist podcast where where they had uh, Harrison Ford on, and there was some really awkward moments oh. because it was clear that Chris Hardwick was super excited to meet him, and uh, uh, was a very big Star Wars fan. And Harrison Ford was kind of fucking with him a bit, I think. <laughs> oh, that's see, and uh, you know what? I think he's probably a real nice dude. Yeah, I'm sure he is. I'm sure he is. He seems like a down to Plus, you just said Chris Hardwick, so let's just not forget. Oh, that. did you notice that? Um, okay, so here's the thing. So when they're watching, so well they. When Stallone is watching the video, right, he's looking at a video of his brother in the bar and trying to figure out who's in the the photo there. He pulls a mirror out and he's like looking at the screen in the mirror. Is he like, is he trying to enlarge the image? I mean, this is 2000. So obviously this is maybe before, you know, you could just scream enhance at a computer and it would fix it. I didn't even catch that. Yeah, no, just it was weird that because he was staring in this mirror looking in the screen. I assume he was trying to enlarge the image to try to make out who was there. I'll tell you um, one thing that he did do that I thought was pretty impressive is that when he meets Rachel Lee Cook up on the roof, and uh, this is after the scene where he's had the elevator scuffle. Yes. Um, she says, oh, man, wh- holy shit, what happened to your face? And he goes, I had a fight in an elevator. And then he goes, no. Nah. Nah. And then he goes, no, nah, I'm just kidding. I fell down. That's a good strategy. Yeah. Tell the truth first. Yeah, and then and, follow and, it up with like, oh, I ran into a door. Yeah, because <laughs> she believes him. Yes, she does. Um, Alan Cumming has a, his company is named Mindfield, which I thought was kind of funny. I don't know. 
It just seems like a dumb, a good... Uh, oh, and he also has a great line at one point where he says, I am the all-powerful ruler of time and space, Mr. Carter. <laughs> Mr. <laughs> but I will still call you Mr. Carter. Yeah, well, he's respectful. I love the cut The cut to people doing Tai Chi and a bunch of pigeons flying everywhere. I was wondering, yeah, was that Tai Chi or were they like Falun Gong? Because Falun Gong was in the news around this time. Oh, was Okay. Uh, so perhaps it was a Falun Gong meeting uh, uh, or maybe it was just people doing Tai Chi. I don't know. It was just a weird cut, I thought. Uh, oh, did you notice too when he's tripping out in the car? Like he's having like almost like a nervous breakdown in the car, and the world literally turns upside down. Oh, oh I didn't notice that. Well, it's, no. like, it's like he's like, uh, uh, he's like in the car, and he's. I think it's after he's seen the disc of the porn, and he's like yeah. reacting to it. He's like, oh god, and he's just sitting in the car, like having like a nervous breakdown, and then like the camera turns upside down in the car, and then eventually the car drives off upside down. I also want to say, Jason, that there's a part there's a part in this movie where he said Stallone looks at like um, or Carter, Jack or whatever, looks at Doreen and he says, you know, your father, he was a good man. And I'm like, no, he wasn't. No, he, I mean, wasn't. He, he had like a, like a mistress. Like Geraldine. Well, was that doesn't mistress. mean he was a bad guy. That no, just means he's a does. fucking cheater. <laughs> he's a cheater and a, and a bad man. Did you notice? Oh, also, I was wondering if that seat of the car where he goes nuts and it flips up and down, was that his unforgiven moment in this movie? Was that the moment like when, when fucking <laughs> Clint Eastwood takes the drink and shit starts to go bad? That was my thought. And it kind of was. How dare you compare those movies? <laughs> uh, did you notice that that elevator is really fucking big? Do <laughs> elevators that big exist? Because that was a huge elevator. See, back in the... Or they were using a very wide-angle lens. Back in 2000, when they had to change it so that it was four digits of the date and not two, um, for some reason, it also increased elevator size. Oh, that's okay. I I like an elevator that I could, like, spread out and fucking... Right on the floor. Trust me, you. I know you've told you've told me multiple times you've been in elevators. Oh, and in the elevator fight, I love when he like he just punches the guy in the throat immediately, and then goes to town. And we've got this like weird Christmas music playing in the background. It's like a Christmas remix. It's a Christmas movie. Yeah, it's a Christmas movie. Uh, that was fun. I enjoyed that. Um, when he goes back to Geraldine and finds her OD'd in the tub, means he doesn't have to beat the fuck out of her. Well, she was killed though. Oh, was she? I think so. You think so? I think so. Well, she had the needle hanging out of her arm, so... But I, I think mean, someone killed her. Maybe not. Been. Maybe she did it out of guilt. Because, maybe. Because just or maybe like, she just fucking made a mistake Because a heroin like, act. Much like in the original, uh, Geraldine is the one that kind of set up... Kind of set up Doreen with these guys. But in this one, I feel like the movie goes to more great lengths in showing that Doreen... Uh, that, um, Geraldine was more unaware yeah. of what was going on and then only realized after and then felt the guilt. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that was it. Maybe she had to do heroin to get over the guilt. And she also has her. that line about I'm your fairy godmother that was lifted directly from the original movie. Oh, very nice. Good, good catch. Carter gets into a chase with John C. McGinley and his henchmen and they get into a game of literal chicken. Yeah. Which I hadn't seen in a movie in a long time and I feel like I mean, I know, certainly we go back to Back to the Future, but I feel like in the 90s was a time when you would see chicken in movies more often. So I want to tell you, too, in this scene, you don't actually see John C. McGinley and the other guy die. Yeah. You see the car end up in that situation, but the car doesn't blow up or anything. Mm. It's when so, they go down into the stairwell, right? Yeah, yeah after yeah. they play chicken, the yeah. car ends up in the stairwell. So I actually thought, part of me said, oh, maybe they're still going to do the ending where Carter dies, because I thought John C. McGinley yeah, like, maybe like survived and shoots him in the head. Up, McGinley would show up and just murder him at the end of the movie. Yeah. You know? which, would I, be an, which would have been a good idea. And then I remembered that Khan dies a lot earlier in yeah. the original. True. But, you know, who knows? 
so he goes to that party that that Kinnear is throwing, and right. he like the, the of course we got that big buff Russian guy at the gate who's like you're not on the list, and then he like punches him in the throat or something. <laughs> and knocks him down, and he's like, nobody likes the list guy. <laughs> nobody likes the list guy, man. And you can tell this is a classy party because there's cocaine openly on the table, and lots of people are sniffling throughout the course of this so scene. He um, beats the fuck out of Mickey Rourke. He beats the fuck out of Mickey Rourke, and then the question is, how is he still just walking around the party? Like, you think they would have called, like, security or the police or something to come deal with this guy? I mean, the Cause, movie... Because Kinnear knows he's there from the beginning because he walks in and sees Kinnear, Kinnear sees him, and then he walks back into his room like, oh, fuck, we got this fucking guy here. But he just is there. Yeah, and he presumably, because we cut away, but he presumably shoots Mickey Rourke in the face. Yeah. After... What looks like that after it looks like he's already dead. Yeah, <laughs> you know he absolutely yeah he's already on the ground. He looks like he's fucking dead. He's staring off into space like it does not look like he's alive. Yeah, and when he starts to attack him, it reminded me of Fight Club when uh, Ed Wharton just wants to destroy something beautiful, but he picked Mickey Rourke, who's not beautiful, who's not beautiful in the least. I I don't know if this was post or pre plastic surgery, but. Mickey Rourke looks okay in this movie. Definitely pre. Yeah, exactly. He I doesn't think. look fucked up. He looks he looks older, but he doesn't look fucked up. He doesn't look like a one. Stallone too. Stallone too looks all right in this movie. Like Rourke, he's, Rourke doesn't look like a one-legged dog making his way down the street. I don't know if this is Stallone at his beefiest, but I wouldn't be surprised because he's fucking big in this movie. Yeah, yeah. he's a big boy. He's a big boy. boi. Uh, oh, also, it's funny to me. I, I didn't think of this until later in the movie, but just the fact that that uh, Kinnear, of course, it's two thousand. So what does he wear? A bucket hat. Always carrying around that fucking bucket hat with him. Yeah, and of course, then we have the, I'm going to do something for you I never did for anyone. I'm going to get, or nobody ever did for me. I'm going to give you a second chance. (laughs) And then he confronts Brumley, and Brumley just starts to take off, and he anticlimactically just shoots him in the back. Yeah. Which is, which is. Brumley, you mean, is Michael Caine. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. He he gets shot in the back by by, uh, Carter. And that is the most, like, amoral thing I would say that Carter does in the movie, like, like, we're kind of leaning toward that original Jack Carter. But of course, he kills him, and then that's that. Uh, also, the, my last note here, Brendan. By the way, Brumby was a character in the original. Brum, yes, yes, Brumley, and was the same role, was ultimately responsible for what happened. Yes. Um, also, he shaves his goatee at the end of the movie, thank God, get rid of that stupid fucking goatee. You mean he, mean he just kind of rubs it off? He rubs it off, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, and then last thing I have listed here is that he pulls out a map that he has at the end of the movie, and he's going to Las Vegas, and he has Las Vegas conveniently circled on it. It's just like, what? Are you not going to notice Las Vegas on the fucking map? you got to circle it so that you know it's, oh, yes, we're Las Vegas. That's such a movie thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, and yes, clearly it was done for the audience for us to focus on that, but, you know. (laughs) But that's my bits and bobs right there. You got anything else, Brendan? Well, I want to say that, like, they they could have even just had him, like, take out the map and kind of point to it with a pen, and that would have gotten across the same message. tapped on it and be like, yeah, "Yeah, I'm going to Vegas. (laughs) Especially if you said that. Well, Jason, I'm going to shock you right now that this movie did not go to the Oscars or the BAFTAs. What? Did go to the Razzies. Uh, um, yeah. This film uh, has an 11% on Rotten Tomatoes. Ouch. Uh, and the consensus reads, Michael Caine shows up to collect a paycheck and so does everyone else in this rote middling remake. There are some positive reviews, though. Um, JoeBlow.com. Of course, JoeBlow.com. What do they have to say? Uh, said the sharp turn given by Sly Stallone, its groovy tunes and its generally dark and gritty nature are the highlights. Hmm. Uh, Spliced Wire said the movie was a stimulating visual showcase of stylish filmmaking that keeps a viewer's attention. 
and fullviewdrivein.com. These are only the top critics here, Jason. Yeah. Said that the original Get Carter is better, but this is quite watchable as far as modern era remakes go. Mm. However, other people, uh, not so much. Um, too routine for its own good. The, the film is itself is a muddle, but what is good is Stallone. I don't know if I'm on board with that. He's kind of just there. Um, somebody else, Bob Graham of the San Francisco Chronicle, said the film is murkier than it needs to be through no fault of Stallone's. I'll give him that. Uh, a useless remake, so minimally plotted that not only does it lack subtext or context, but it also may be the world's first movie without even a text. <laughs> That's a good review. That's from, that's from Elvis Mitchell of the New York Times. Elvis, you're the best. <laughs> and Elizabeth Weitzman of the New York Daily News said the movie is a throwaway story hidden beneath a messy jumble of weird camera angles, worthless editing tricks, and an ill-placed, obnoxious score. Jason, how much do you think this movie cost? $64 million. Did you look this up? I did, yes. Okay. <laughs> this movie cost $63.6 million, and it made... 16? 19.4 million. Mm. Huge flop. It's like a, that's a, that's a very negative return. And this came out in October 2000, so they weren't expecting this to do bad. They would have put it out in January, if that was the case, yeah. or like August. But this is a huge flop. This movie does does not get any love. We talked about it in detail, but Jason, what kind of love does it get from you? I didn't hate this movie as much as I thought I would. Uh, I really expected to feel like when I watched Whiskey Galore last week, uh, where it was almost unbearable because it was just like, why are we even doing this? This was interesting to me. Um, I, I kind of enjoyed the style of it. I, I liked Stallone enough in it. I enjoyed his kind of thing but but the biggest issue i had was what they just shouldn't have called this get carter if they'd have just made this its own original movie changed the character names you know had it be a revenge story whatever i think this could have been a you know mildly entertaining and and fondly remembered movie but because it was trying to compare itself with this original classic it kind of fucks itself over and it's not really in the same realm as that movie um if you hadn't seen the original get carter and just happened to catch this on tv you know it'd probably be entertaining enough like you know and to keep your attention there's some you know music so i like i i don't think the score is bad i like the score i it, it might be of that era but i enjoy it i like some of the editing choices but as a remake, it is not successful. So as a fan of Get Carter, don't watch this. Um, as a person who needs a random action movie to watch, okay, this will probably be fine. All right, I will go a lot harder. Yeah, sure, yeah, no, <laughs> clearly. I will say I don't think this is a remotely a good movie. I think this is a te- I think this is a pretty terrible movie. I think this is worse than Whiskey Galore remake last week. Um, to me, if that one was a two star, this is like a one star. Wow. This is this is this was a chore to sit through. This is a one point five to a one for me. If Whiskey Galore is a one, this is a one point five. Oh, Whiskey Galore is a. I thought you said Whiskey Galore is a two and a half for you last week. Oh, maybe I did, but I'm just saying in this context. <laughs> um, no, I would say this movie is was it was a bit of a chore to sit through at times because I was just like, okay, we're just watching the original, but shitty. Mm. Um, Stallone is like whatever; he's just Stallone. It's not even the acting that stands out for me as particularly bad. It's just the the style. I don't like the editing style. I don't like the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. I don't like the action scenes. I don't think any of it is thrilling because I don't give a fuck about any of the characters. Mm-hmm. In turn. As opposed to, you know, what I thought of the original where you, I mean, like you said, 
Carter was not a good man, no. but you still were invested in him. Yeah. You wanted it, to see where it was going to go, even though he was you know, not somebody you necessarily would want to be around or like or, or interact with. Yeah, and this movie makes you want to like him. Like This movie tries really hard to get you to like him. Yeah. And I just, I don't know, I just didn't give a sweet fuck. So no. I will say... <laughs> A hearty no from me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there, there's not really... It's a movie, there's not a real whole reason to watch. Yeah. When you have the original that is so good, it's similar with Whiskey Galore. If you can watch the original, there's no real reason to watch the remake in this case. Whereas something like Italian Job, it's different enough that and, and entertaining enough on its own that it's worth watching. Yeah, and, and that movie, I would say, like Italian Job remake, is fine. It's fine, yeah. It, it's not a great remake, but it is an interesting kind of recontextualization of that idea of the heist movie and using the elements from the original. Uh, it's at least interesting, whereas this one really isn't in no. that same way. It just feels very generic. Yeah. But, Jason, I'm hoping this series is going to end strong. We hope so, yeah. yeah. Because next week, this is it for Get Carter. But next week, we are talking about a sequel yeah. to a movie we've covered before. That is, of course, Train Spotting. We are talking about T2. Judgment Day. Train Spotting. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're going to join the boys. I don't even know what the plot of this oh, movie is. Oh, I don't is. know. I, I can't imagine where the fuck Begbie is 20 years on. He, Robert Carlyle <laughs> credited in this movie, so he's in it He's somewhere. in there somewhere. I, I can't wait to find out. I'm sure Sick Boy is not. <laughs> but that yeah. would be an interesting twist. Yes, for sure. Well, he might be. Maybe I, he, I, I think Johnny oh. Lee Miller's in this. No, 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 not Sick Boy. Sorry, Kevin McKidd's character. Oh yeah, well he do dies think, in that. one. Yeah, but that's what I think. Do you think maybe like, like a remember, ghost? No, no, even better, Jason. Because remember, there's cats in the room, right? Yeah. Does he become Catwoman? <gasps> oh my God! <laughs> Finally, Catwoman is a heroin. Kevin addict. McKidd is a heroin addicted <laughs> Catwoman. <laughs> Well, maybe it will. Maybe he will. Maybe he won't. We'll talk about Train Spotting two next week. But until then, Jason, they can find us all over the place. They we're can... everywhere on the internet. Everywhere on Twitter, we're at uh, FSAC Pod. That's for Screen and Country Pod. Mm-hmm. We're on Facebook. Just search for for Screen and Country. We're on all the podcast apps, including AgeofRadio.org yes, slash sir. for Screen and Country. You can find us on Apple Podcasts. You can find us on uh, Android Podcasts. You can find us on Downcast. You can find us on Instacast. You can find us on Castcast. Is that a thing? Uh, maybe. Uh, you can find us on uh, TikTok, Jason. Sure, yeah. Occasionally, once in a while, check in. I've got something up there. Okay. For Screening Country. Uh, at For Screening Country on TikTok. You can find Jason on Twitter. That is at Jason D. McLeod. That's M-A-C-L-E-O-D. Stop by once in a while. I'll retweet some Blaine Capatch tweets. He's mm. very funny. Get him. Get him while they're hot. Get him. Get Carter. That's, get, get Capatch. That's the reference. Oh. I don't I don't appreciate that. <laughs> I'm, I apologize. Yeah, follow Jason on Twitter. Do all that stuff. Hang out with us. Talk to us. Join our Facebook group. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Tell all your friends, family, and coworkers about us at every opportunity. You know what? And don't stop. I know you I know you I know you're talking in jest, but honestly, if you No, like, I'm saying for real. I want yeah. you to corner your family members at like Christmas dinner and be like, You guys should listen to First Screen and Country, shouldn't you? And like get like two inches from their eyes and be like, First Screen and Country's really good. They like British films. What? <laughs> listen, if you like this show, yeah. please recommend it to someone tell else. Tell a friend, tell a coworker, if tell you, a policeman you meet on the street. Yeah. If you know someone else that would like this 
let them know. We love to get more and more people. We love to. We want to build this into a juggernaut where, where quite frankly, we can say whatever we want and never be canceled. Take your favorite episode that is less than seventy-four minutes long, burn it to a CD, and hand it out to children at your local elementary school. That's right, D- Lawrence after Arabia. Mm-hmm. Show it to everyone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that'll that'll do it. So next week we'll talk about T two, not Judgment Day, but T two Train Spotting. Yes, sir. Same director, Danny Boyle. Can't we'll see wait. what happens. And that'll be the end of our uh, And Now for Something Completely Similar series. And then it's back to business because we have got 10 films left on the list, Brendan. Just 10. Just 10. And as I announced earlier... When we are done with this, we are going to talk about our own culture for That's a little right. bit. Right, we're going to get, we're going to, we're going to let you people know a little bit about our ourselves, That's right. what it means to be Canadian. Canadian, and I've already planned. It's hilarious because I've I've already planned to have a guest for one of those episodes of the very Canadian miniseries that we're about to do, and mm. he's from California. Fucking so- right. <laughs> <laughs> True tradition of this show. That's right. We got to we got to pass this. We got to pass our culture on to other people. That's right. But for now, I will just say to you, Jason, God save the queen. God save the screen. And for Screen and Country, I'm Brendan. And I'm Jason. Get us. You can get us anytime. So come get us. Uh, and then we're going to go find Sylvester Stallone. And we're going to slap him around a little bit. But wiser, you created a monster. And they call him Frankenstein. In the tavern down the street is the laboratory where he makes the transformation all the time. And a shine of Dr. Bud is a pint of monster blood. And it does affect me different every time. But Wather, you created a monster and they call me Wiggenstein. And they call me Trickenstein, yeah, I'm Trickenstein. We get back up, Master Wayne. We get back down. We jump around. Jump around. Jump, jump, yeah, jump, jump around. Get up, get up, and get down. Sean Connery. Hi, Michael, it's good to see you. I don't know what you're doing here, but I like what you do with I'm the a, ladies. I'm a... Uh, uh, I'm a very big House of Payton fan. Always have been. You know, what I what I come from, they call House of Payton fans Hophedge. I was very confused for a second because before for a, for a moment because I, I thought someone was calling me a drug addict. Oh, I we... said the only the only the only drug in my life is, is sex and slapping ladies. I was gonna say, Sean, the only thing you're addicted to is slapping the ladies around, eh? Uh, with an open hand. I, I don't think this is going to be the open. I've never seen you use a closed fist, ever. That's one of my best qualities. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Ask anyone. 